and good morning. Uh, not morning. Actually, it's Friday afternoon here in San Francisco. Sorry for the delay getting today's episode out, but let's dive in and get started. So, hello and good afternoon. It's Friday, the 25th of May, 2018. Welcome back to another episode of Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the first and only regularly updated podcast in the world dedicated entirely to autonomous cars. Today, episode 32, connected cars outpace cell phones, Tesla gets accused, and Uber gets in trouble. All this, right now. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So unless you've been living under a rock or just don't have any email access at all, You've probably noticed the last few days your inbox overflowing with emails, including something along the lines of GDRP in your email subject line. So GDRP is basically this broad sweeping regulation that went live in Europe. Basically, any and all companies that do business really at all, simply by virtue of the fact that they may have European customers, well, they've had to oblige by these new regulations. This is why you've been receiving these emails and why you've been likely needing to opt into or otherwise accept any sort of privacy policy or related matter for any of the online services that you use. Well, being that today is such a big day then, this, the 25th of May, um, I thought it was pretty appropriate to dive into a discussion about a really fascinating infographic that I found over at 2025ad.com. The title of the infographic is Data Privacy and Connected Cars, What Consumers Need to Know. So GDPR stands for General Data Protection Regulation. Uh, The best way to explain it to you is simply to quote Wikipedia, which states, it's a regulation in EU law on data protection and privacy for all individuals within the European Union and the European Economic Area. Thing is, though, it's a totally broad-sweeping international thing. Here's why. Essentially, any company or service which happens to do business with or otherwise engage in operations which can be accessed by users living or otherwise residing within the EU, well, they're subject to these regulations. Um, As an example of what happens if you don't comply, well, apparently, as of today, the day that the GDPR just went live, um, certain American news sites, like, for example, I believe LA Times, that is currently offline um, in Europe or to anybody trying to access it from Europe. So at a really high level, the idea behind GDPR is essentially to ensure that all users have very easy, clear tangible access and understanding to their personal information, including um, what exactly is collected by, by companies, websites, services generally. Um, you know, so, so what's captured, uh, why it's captured, 
and how it's used. And then on the flip side, the, the fact that they're able to really easily uh, manipulate that data, meaning they can save it, delete it, request it, or otherwise just be in some sort of control of it. So the, the, the practical sort of purpose of this regulation is to ensure that people basically have very easy access and control of their personal information data. Makes pretty good sense, right? Uh, it's a good thing to have. So how does this tie into a discussion on autonomous cars, you might be wondering? Well, so this, uh, in, this uh, infographic that I told you I discovered over at 2025AD.com. So it's really perfect timing. This happens to present itself today because, again, this is the day that the GDP, GDRP went live. Um, so... Obviously, I'm going to direct you to the website to kind of look at the entire infographic yourself, but I'd like to kind of call out a few sort of really important and or at least very interesting points. So let's kick it off with this one, right? So as you probably know, cars are obviously ever more, um, certainly ever more, you know, computerized, but indeed ever more data heavy in the past decade or so. Well, it turns out that in 2017, for the first time ever, more cars were added to cellular phone networks in the United States than were telephones. So to put this a different way, think about all the new cell phones that people buy and they connect to, uh, you know, they create new accounts and they get added to the cell phone networks. Well, more cars were added to these networks than phones. Now, obviously, if you really think about it, this isn't, um, I don't think it's that surprising, right? I mean, cell phone saturation uh, has pretty much peaked in the U.S. I mean, I think something like 98% of people have cell phones in the U.S., of which I think 60 or 70% are smartphones. But in any event, I mean, pretty much everyone who's going to have a cell phone has a cell phone. This has been true for the last couple of years now, I think. But um, obviously cars, most of them have not been connected uh, to the network. Um, a good example of a car with which you're probably most familiar, or at least most transparently aware of being connected uh, is, of course, Tesla, right? So Tesla really operates exactly like a cell phone. Um, it does regular software updates. It notifies you of pending updates and updates that were just performed and so on and so forth. So the idea is that, you know, going forward, all cars will absolutely be uh, connected to the network if only for being able to carry out OTA updates, OTA meaning over the air. Um, just to give you a practical sort of example of this, suppose that there was a need to, well, let me back up for a second. Um, most of modern cars functionality, even mechanical matters are often remedied or improved or otherwise just modified, not necessarily with wrenches and screwdrivers, but really with software updates. So oftentimes uh, you take your car into the dealer, say you've got sort of a jerky transmission with your automatic transmission car. Chances are nine times out of 10, actually, frankly, much more often than that, I'd say 99% of the time, chances are it's going to be uh, something that can be remedied with a software update. Um, you can see where I'm going with this, right? So obviously, if you have to always take your car in for something which just requires plugging your car into a computer, that's obviously really inefficient, it's stupid, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of money. Obviously, much easier, much cheaper for car manufacturers to simply update the car software remotely over the air. Well, that's the idea for connected cars. All right, so at first blush, it may sort of seem like this is kind of a win-win. Um, I mean, what's the problem, right? Well, there's two problems. First, it turns out that roughly half of U.S. consumers don't even realize their cars are connected, or to the extent that they do realize this, they're not necessarily aware of sort of the kind of information which is shared with automakers or indeed with third parties. 
The second problem is, you know, the sort of data that's shared. And so one of the really great things this infographic does is that it kind of puts five types of personal data on kind of a spectrum from sort of low privacy concerns to high privacy concerns. So on the lower bound of the spectrum, we've got things like sort of external road and environmental conditions, for example, the weather, accident notifications you might get through Waze and that kind of thing. On the upper bound, you're going to have um, issues like, for example, any sort of direct communications from the vehicle, your phone calls, your email, instant messages, and so on. And of course, there's issues with respect to your geolocation. So the point is, there's all sorts of data that's being sent back and forth between your car and the manufacturer, and indeed to potentially third-party uh, companies as well. So for example, um, as this infographic points out, there's many sorts of companies um, that would actually stand to gain from this sort of individualized car data. In fact, the projection is that by 2030, a whopping 450 to $750 billion um, will be the size of this industry for car data. So it's a really huge thing, right? Um, and again, as with all things, there are obviously sort of risk and reward factors here. So on the one hand, for example, location tracking, obviously um, that's a big risk if third parties get a hold of this data when they shouldn't be. On the other hand, obviously, but for location tracking, there wouldn't be any such thing as GPS, including such things as road safety, for instance, being able to come to your rescue if your car breaks down or if you have an accident. So lots of things to consider here. It's a delicate balancing act to be sure. But um, yeah, definitely head over to 2025 AD. Have a look at the infographic. Again, the title is Data Privacy and Connected Cars, What Consumers Need to Know. This, in the new era of GDRP, very important thing to consider indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so it turns out that two consumer groups are complaining to the feds that Tesla's autopilot is deceptively named. Yeah, they're not complaining that it's a defective product. They're simply going after the name autopilot, saying that it's, well, deceptive, that it's misleading to the public, that it suggests that Tesla can do more than it's actually capable of. As an aside, let me just start by saying that it's a bit weird they're singling out Tesla. I mean, why not go after Volvo? Their autonomous system, their semi-autonomous system, is called DrivePilot. And I'm pretty sure that Nissan has a system called ProPilot. So, I don't know, take your pick. Which pilot do you want to go after? Um, here's my thing. Uh, I do not believe, in fact, I can tell you with certainty, that the majority of the population has no idea how an autopilot system on an airplane works. Uh, if they did they would realize that, frankly, calling the system autopilot is not really that far off. So as a kid, I grew up all my life uh, studying, uh, frankly, I've always been an aviation fanatic. And I've learned quite a bit from various flight simulators how these uh, onboard avionics systems, including autopilot, work with commercial aircraft, just sort of a fun hobby of mine. Um, let me tell you something. These autopilot systems are not... Well, they are pretty hands-off, that's true, but they're certainly not eyes shut, let's put it that way. Uh, pilots do not just sort of engage autopilot and then take a nap the rest of the trip. No, they're constantly monitoring very closely, very carefully, 
all of the onboard systems of the aircraft all the time. Um, and they are expected to take over immediately as required. Well, if that sounds familiar, that's because it should. That's exactly how Tesla's autopilot system works. You know, is it flawless? No. Is it more flawed, perhaps, than aviation autopilot systems? Yeah, sure. But is it intended to be a fully hands-off, eyes-shut system? No. And guess what? Neither are the aviation systems. So, you know, why this complaint about the nomenclature? Uh, again, first of all, if you're going to make the complaint, go after all the automakers who are including the name pilot as part of the part of their name choice. Um, but beyond that, let's just drop this ridiculous complaint, this ridiculous argument. Really, calling an autopilot is really perfectly all right. And that's all I have to say on this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so to close out this episode, uh, the brief note on Uber. Yeah, they're in pretty big trouble. So as you may have heard, they have just shut down their uh, autonomous driving testing program in Arizona. This, of course, following the fatal crash from two months ago uh, where a pedestrian was struck and killed at nighttime in an unlit section of roadway. So first, their self-driving license was suspended, and, well, now they've fully pulled out, shut down the program entirely. You know, it's interesting to kind of think about this because more information has been revealed about this crash. It turns out that, you know, we obviously reported on this a while ago, um, you know, the, 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 what appears to be the cause of the crash was really a software issue. And now some more information has been brought forth that turns out that, indeed, the, the Uber vehicle it was a volvo xc90 suv it actually saw the pedestrian well it saw something fully six seconds before the collision occurred interestingly there was a separate autonomous emergency braking system however that had been disabled uh which i guess was separate to the to the uh software responsible for braking based on what the cameras or in this case the lidar was seeing and so for this reason then uh for whatever reason the the software didn't decide that this was something worth breaking to avoid. So it turns out that the software makes the determination, you know, it's kind of, it sees some blob of an object and then it decides, well, hey, is this sort of just a big plastic bag floating in the wind or is this actually a large solid object uh, like a person, like a bicycle that we should avoid? Well, the issue was that it made the false decision and the backup driver failed to take over and adequately brake. Well, in any event, as we discussed before, that's what led to this crash in the first place. Uh, and yeah, so now, well, Uber has left Arizona and it's basically to shut down the program entirely. Uh, obviously, Uber is definitely not out of the uh, autonomous driving sort of universe altogether. Uh, indeed, uh, they're going to absolutely keep testing and working on this from their self-driving headquarters based out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But, um, you know, and they will be able to test and continue to test in uh, Californian cities. Uh, but really, it's a shame to have this happen and to have a setback to the program because, as you know, um, I am a firm believer that, you know, accidents, tragic as they may be, are sadly necessary and just the ordinary part of the human condition to always improve and excel. And 
aim to be more than the sum of our parts and indeed to sort of leapfrog at times or at least execute step changes in society, including and especially that of technology. So I get why Uber's done this. I think it's unfortunate. Um, obviously, my heart goes out to the woman's family. Uh, certainly none of the progress of technology is any sort of condolences to them. I don't mean to pretend for a moment that it should be, uh, but I think it's a bit, um, I don't know, unnecessary and in any event totally illogical to mix the two issues. But, um, you know, here's hoping this technology continues to progress at the fast clip it's been progressing because clearly we need this stuff now much sooner than later. All right, well, that'll do it for today. Sorry to get this episode out so late. Hopefully you'll have a chance to catch it now before we kick off the three-day Memorial Day weekend. Yes, it is finally upon us. But first, please don't forget to like and upvote this podcast. Leave a review, especially if you're listening on Apple's iTunes podcast. Don't forget you can leave me a voicemail on anchor.fm. Reach out to me on Twitter. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Whatever you like, I promise to get back to you. Um, without further ado, I wish you a wonderful Friday night and indeed the weekend ahead. Thank you so much for listening until next time. Bye-bye.